good to be here. Wonderful to be here with you all uh, this evening. Like Nick said, uh, many of us have been away for the whole weekend camping. It's great to see even some of those people here today haven't, can't get enough. We can't get enough of church. And that's part of what we were thinking about at Belshams, is how wonderful it is just to be together. Uh, but for those of you who weren't there, we missed you, and maybe another time, uh, but it's also good to be with you this evening too. So, um, fantastic. We are, uh, apologies for those uh, who were there this morning, because I haven't got much more to offer than what I offer, already offered this morning. Uh, <laughs> uh, I thought I'd try and write another sermon between getting, uh, finishing at Belshams to getting here, but it didn't quite happen because I fell asleep on the sofa. Uh, so forgive me. So we're going to be looking at Zephaniah chapter 3. Uh, Zephaniah chapter 3. You might be thinking, oh my goodness, why Zephaniah? Well, it's not my fault. It was because uh, one of the speakers was looking at Zephaniah on our weekend away. And uh, Rob um, brought out amazing uh, insights from Zephaniah. So I just thought I would just use the final um, three verses uh, or final two verses, verses 19 and 20 of chapter 3, Zephaniah. It's on page 947 uh, in the Bible in front of you. Yeah. <clears throat> 947, Zephaniah chapter 3. And like Nick has already mentioned, the theme of, um, of Zephaniah and the sermons that we heard over the weekend is this idea that um, the goal of all God's purposes for his people throughout the ages is to gather his people from wherever they've been scattered across the world, whatever situations they've gotten themselves into, God's purposes is to gather us back together. You know, if you think of the beginning of the Bible where Adam and Eve, well, essentially they were scattered, weren't they? They were sent out, they were pushed away from the Lord's presence and they were scattered. And ever since Adam and Eve, there's been more and more scattering across the world through the Tower of Babel, through all the Old Testament but God's promise is to bring us all back together one day through his great work that he will do through his son. And Zephaniah picks up on that. And we're just going to read verse 19 and 20. At that time, I will deal with all who oppressed you. I will rescue the lame. I will gather the exiles. I will give them praise and honour in every land where they have suffered shame. At that time, I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you home. I will give you honour and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me just say a prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time where we have the Bibles open before us. May they refresh us. May they breathe new life into us. May they speak to us the truth in a world filled with lies. Lord, may you speak and may we hear, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Um, 
as I just alluded to earlier, it wasn't that long since we finally got back from our camping trip uh, at Belchamps. It took many, many hours. I predicted it would take me two weeks to pack up all the stuff that got scattered across Belchamps and all the things that we brought with us that eventually got scattered across the camp. It didn't take two weeks in the end. It just took about two or three hours. But we loaded up vans. We've been driving from St. John's to Christchurch, dropping off stuff back to St. Michael's. We've still got all those sandwiches you've just enjoyed, perhaps, before the... And all those um, cakes and different things we've got at the back of church. It's all stuff that we've gathered from Belchamps and brought back uh, here with us. And uh, I, I haven't been camping in years, actually. It's been a long, long time. And uh, we brought far too much stuff with us to Belchamps, two carloads just for our family, which is crazy, really, when you think about it. But there was chairs... Uh, inflatable beds, sleeping bags, food, coolers to keep things cool, uh, all sorts of things. And uh, it was an epic idea trying to gather it all back together again. But that's the thing about our lives, aren't they? We've got lots of stuff and it gets scattered. Our lives can be messy. All sorts of things spread out in all sorts of places. Not just physical things, but emotionally We're all over the place. Our lives uh, might not have ended up in the place where we thought it would start. It's ended up somewhere completely different. Family. You might have family that is scattered across the world now. In the world that we live in, you could have family living anywhere. And we can be scattered, both physically and geographically, but emotionally and spiritually. We can be very scattered, lost even. Now, the whole point of Zephaniah at the end here is that God is an expert at gathering people together. No matter how far people have scattered and how messy our lives are, God is wonderful at gathering us together. I'm going to just briefly think about um, three festivals in the Old Testament that speak about God's gathering and his celebrations. Because in the life of the Old Testament, people lived all over the land. If you think about it, the 12 tribes of Judah, they all had their different places across the land. They were scattered. Well, they used to be scattered all over the place, but God brought them to the promised land. And he gave them all a different tribe and different areas. But three times a year in the Old Testament, he commanded us to gather his people to gather at Jerusalem. So can you imagine that? Uh, three times a year, you'd have to do a Belshamps uh, um, festival where you would all leave your places and you would gather together in one place. But not just 15 minutes up the road. Some people would be have to travel for days on end to gather from all the corners of Israel to be together. Three times a year that would happen, that God would call his people to gather. And the first one, The first festival I want us to think about, the first gathering of the year, would be Passover. Do you remember Passover? What they would be celebrating there. They would be celebrating all that God did for his people in setting them free from their slavery in Egypt. When they were scattered, not just in Israel, but they were trapped in a strange and foreign land under oppression. And did you see Zephaniah said that? He said there, didn't he? At that time, I will deal with all 
who oppressed you, verse 19. They were scattered in a foreign place. But God did a miracle in setting them free because they couldn't do it themselves. So he had to set them free. And he did that, didn't he, through those great miracles through Moses. But the key one that they were to celebrate is the one regarding the lamb. The lamb. It's funny that if you were going to set people free from the most powerful nation in the world, and you you would probably send James Bond to do it rather than a lamb. Because what could a lamb possibly do to set free from the greatest superpower and pharaoh and the greatest uh, king of all? You'd send James Bond, wouldn't you? He doesn't. He sends a lamb. But the lamb has that secret weapon, doesn't it? The lamb. Because the lamb was able to spare anyone from God's judgment. The lamb, the innocence and the preciousness of this lamb was able to spare anyone from God's judgment. And so when God's judgment fell on Egypt, those who had sheltered under the blood of the lamb were safe, or the firstborn sons anyway. But of course, Pharaoh and those who didn't trust in the lamb came to a horrible and tragic ending. So every year, God's people are to remember this lamb that set them free. And once they were set free, they were free, weren't they, to leave Egypt, cross the Red Sea, and go to the Promised Land. But they also were sustained by the Lord on that journey from Egypt to the Promised Land by a special food that God gave them. Do you remember what that food was? Manna, of course. I didn't, well, I've got some wafers here somewhere. Manna, bread. So the festival was two things, a lamb, you'd bring lamb, and you'd bring bread to remind the people both what God did for them in the past, but what God will do for them through the Messiah, through Christ, who will one day be sacrificed to set the people free. So the first festival shows us that in order to gather us together, in order to bring us back from the lostness that we have in life, will require the sacrifice of the Messiah. In order for God to gather us, Jesus must die. He must die. So that first festival celebrates Jesus, celebrates the Messiah. The second festival is called the festival of the harvest the Festival of the Harvest, the Feast of the Harvest, or otherwise known to us as Pentecost. You know, every year, 50 days after uh, Easter, we celebrate Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. But that's an ancient feast that goes all the way back to the Old Testament, where God would ask people to gather to celebrate the first bringing in of the harvest. So you'd all bring a bit of your harvest that's come to fruition in your farms and everything, and you'd bring them to Jerusalem, and you'd all have a good bundle of food to share with each other, and you could celebrate. Now, that celebration was all about giving thanks for the coming harvest that would come this year. Now, 
What's God pointing to on that one? Well, it's the same thing when Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In other words, the God is telling us that actually it's another gathering, isn't it? Not only are they gathering in Jerusalem, but they're also gathering their crops. And every time, I don't know, I'm not a farmer, and maybe you're not a farmer as well, but if you've ever had to gather things together like that, you might have, even in a bundle like that, you might have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sheaves of wheat. Yes? And as you gather that together, not only are you saying, yeah, I've got a great big bundle, but you're saying that every single individual piece of the crop counts and matters. And that's true of us today. We're a gathering. And God doesn't just go, I'm just going to sweep a bunch of you in like that. No, the Bible also tells us that he looks and searches out for each and every one of us to gather us in. Do you remember Jesus talks about the, um, the parable of the lost sheep? How he says that he was willing to abandon the 99 to go and seek out the one. To go and bring in that. You imagine what kind of an inefficient farmer that would be. If you're like, I've got loads of harvest here, but I've forgotten one blade of grass out there. And I'm off to go and gather it in. But that's what Jesus is like. He gathers us and he sees us. Sometimes you can feel lost in a crowd, can't you? If you're in a, in a crowd of people, you think, I'm just, I'm just one of the mob. I don't matter. Or, or you might feel like the government treats you like, like that. They don't, they don't care about us individually. Or you might feel like it just, it's just about a corporate thing. Not with God. He sees us individually. And Jesus cares for us individually. And of course, Jesus, in that parable of the lost sheep, he actually says the shepherd goes out to find the sheep. So it's not even as if we have to find our way in. It's not like when God says, right, everyone gather, and we all have to go, right, I've got to go and do the work myself together. He says, right, everyone, let's gather together, but don't worry, I will come and get you. I'll send a car for you and bring you to the gathering. But of course, he doesn't send a car, does he? He sends a shepherd. He sends his son. He sends the Messiah. And again, that teaches us, of course, that when he does send his son, it's not an easy journey for him. Because we've been scattered all across the world. We've been scattered spiritually to very deep and dark places. Some, some people have been scattered and lost into very, very dark places, haven't we? Depression problems, abusive situations, prison, illness, and death, all kinds of problems. And yet Jesus goes on that journey to gather us in, no matter how deep and dark the pit we have fallen into. He will climb down into it, into the muck and into the mire. And I would picture that. Imagine you're at the bottom of a pit, really just sinking into the mud and you can't you're scrabbling at the sides and you can't get out right and then you just hear a splosh behind beside you and you see this person just jump down into it with you and you're like oh goodness i'm not alone that's fantastic but then you just see this person who jumps in with you and they look at you and they smile at you and you're like okay 
Not only does he smile at you, you begin to feel him lift you up out of that muck and that mire. And you start to feel hope. You start to feel, I'm not going to sink. I'm going to get out of this. And then you suddenly feel like this huge surge and he just pushes you right out and all the way up the side, you've been scrabbling up the sides and falling back in, but this time he just almost just like shoves you out and you fly out onto dry land. Imagine the relief. And then you look back down into the pit and you see that he went down and he actually didn't make it, he died. That's Jesus. That's how he gathers us. It cost him everything to do it. So the Pentecost, we experience that gathering in of the harvest. And we're reminded that we now live in an age and a time where we should be going out to gather too. The harvest is plentiful, isn't it? What Jesus has done for us, he now says, now you go gather too. And I'm so passionate about that at our church. So I see empty seats. And when I see empty seats, I don't just think, oh goodness, you know, we're not doing very well or something. I think that seat belongs to someone that we haven't yet gathered in. God has put a seat out there for someone we haven't brought in yet. I wonder who it is. I wonder how we can find them. I wonder how I can just give everything, my whole life to that, to the filling that chair over there. Because that's the heart of Jesus. Third and final feast of gathering was the feast of tabernacles, the feast of camping, the feast of tents, literally tents. To tabernacle is to dwell, it is a tent. Do you remember God in the Old Testament himself? He says, you don't need to build me a temple because I've got a tent. God likes camping, everyone. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm rubbing it in again for the fact that we all went camping this weekend. I'm being silly. But there was a, a festival where everyone would live in tents to remind them that we're still on a journey. We're still traveling to our final destination. We are gathering, but for now we are in tents waiting for that final dwelling place with the Lord. And that festival was to celebrate not only is God just gathering us home, but the fact that God himself wants to tabernacle, to set up camp, to dwell with us. He wants to bring everyone together for the final and greatest celebration of all, where God and Jesus will finally dwell with his people. And he has done it. He has done it. My hope is that that day wouldn't be too far off. But even if it is too far off, God has given us these gatherings that are a foretaste of the great gathering to come. And Jesus says, even though I'm not here yet, I will be present with you through the bread and the wine, through the fellowship of the saints, through his word and by his spirit. He will not leave us alone. He will journey with us as we gather together until the final day where God will tabernacle with us. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have such a saviour in Jesus. And we thank you, Father, that there is greater rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to. Thank you, Father, that your heart is for sinners and that Jesus is a friend of sinners. He is a friend to those who are drowning, a friend to those who are struggling, a friend to those who, doesn't, who don't get anything right, but gets everything wrong. Thank you that Jesus longs to help, to rescue, restore, and bring us home. So, Lord, this gathering that we share tonight around the Lord's table is no small thing. It is the greatest miracle in all the world, for it shows the world what Jesus has done. And it shows the world the glories of your coming kingdom. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. going to sing one more song and then come to the communion table. Let's stand. Desperation 